What's going on guys? Como estar? And welcome once again to another episode of the Engine Room Podcast. And you know how it is. It's me, Luis, and we also have Paolo. Paolo, please welcome yourself. Hello everyone. How are you all doing? Luis, you all good? I'm looking forward to another episode of the Engine Room Podcast. Yeah, today I'm like really in the mood. I have absolutely no idea why, but it's it's really been interesting. I've been watching this video and I learned a new word. You want to learn that word with me? <laughs> What is it? You wanna, you wanna, you wanna. The new word that I learned is climacophilia. You know what that means? Haven't got out. Haven't got a clue. It's a rare sexual paraphilia or fetish in which the subject experiences erotic gratification when falling down stairs. <laughs> what on earth have you been up to this morning? <laughs> I don't know, man. I found that it very, very interesting. That's your like fun fact of the day. Thank um, you. But I, I, I mean, how, who invents words like that? You know what I mean? Like, there are other words for, like, people who are afraid of, like, have you seen that one, which is, like, like, holes? People that are afraid of holes or people that... There are also words for, like, a people that is, like, um, who has a fetish of fog or mist, you know? <laughs> like, who in the world invents that thing? Yeah, I know. Um, and also, guys, as always, please, you know, don't forget to uh, go and find us on Twitter. That's a really good place to see all of our content and also to speak to us, to engage with us. If you know, if you comment underneath one of our posts or give us any feedback there, then we will be able to see it. Same goes, you know, on your podcast platforms. If you can rate and review our podcast on them, then then again, please do. And we also look to uh, maybe be getting that YouTube and Instagram sorted soon. So that'll give us some more platforms. But Luis, do you have anything else to say to the to the fans? Mm, not really those youtube and instagram pages will come soon we just want uh for paulo paulo is going to university everyone please a big round of applause <laughs> so we want him to get his uh time schedule right? yeah, or your, yeah yeah your class schedule and then yeah. once we have that we will know how better to manage our our workload so we're kind of waiting for that to happen and then we're going to be kind of already going full throttle on on the engine room once again so yeah that's gonna be it really and we can head into our twisted takes just like always okay then moving on to twisted takes we of course have the section where i'll be giving my twisted take luis will be giving his i'm gonna start with mine it's gonna be around uh, barcelona of course team we both support so i thought you know good way to uh to start this episode and i've said this i've said this i've said if barcelona get their last month of the transfer window right We'll have a squad to compete for all titles. Let me explain a little bit. If we're able to renew Lionel Messi, <laughs> if we're able to renew Lionel Messi, if we're able to be able to sell some of the dead wood, you know, like the likes of Pjanic, um, Titi and Braithwaite, I think those three players in particular are the three that Barcelona and Laporta need to get out. And then if Barcelona even add one or two signings on top of that, plus the youth from La Masia, I look around the team and I think that's competitive. You look at the front line, it's super strong in depth. I think the defence still, I agree with everyone who will be thinking, nah, no way, no way. And look, I don't think it's completely ready to challenge for the Champions League, but it is a strong, strong Barcelona team. Like I said, the depth in the attack is really good. Uh, the midfield is, is excellent. Busquets, Pedri, De Jong, and then you've got some of the, the La Masia players coming through are absolute quality. In defence, I think in the fullback areas, we've got a lot and a lot of strength right now. Very, very good fullback. So you probably won't get, you know, a better fullback, you know, quadrant, if you like, anywhere else other than the the four that Barcelona could be heading into next season with. In the heart of defence, I think we have some issues, but still, you know, Araujo, Mingueza, 
Eddie Garcia, Piquet, if he's playing correctly, you know, it's a strong Barcelona team is my point, it really is, and I think it's always a bit of, you know, doom and gloom around Barcelona right now, but if we have a really good month, if this August is good for Barcelona, if Laporta can actually finally get some proper work done, you know, some real work at Barcelona, we're going to have a good squad this season. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think the, the, the fullbacks, like you mentioned, are a very good area that Barcelona currently has. I don't know about how you feel with this, but for instance, I just made a video talking about the defense, right, on my channel. And I mentioned how I think that Ronald Koeman's plan for the fullbacks is, for instance, to have Jordi Alba and maybe Emerson or Dest by fighting for the right back position. But then when we need a substitute for Jordi Alba, I think that mostly Koeman will use Dest as a left back. Yeah, I agree. I think agreed. that is what he would do. Des has played as Ajax already. He debuted at Ajax as a left-back, actually. Then he played his very first game as Barcelona, was also as a left-back. I think that I think that there's absolutely no problem with that. And uh, Like you mentioned, the depth in the La Masia players are coming through. Even if you don't want Des, you have uh, Alex Valde. Then you move over to the midfield. You have new incorporations like Gavi, like Nico Gonzalez, who are already getting uh, plenty of minutes so far in preseason. And I think that this squad is looking good. I still think that perhaps a central defender is missing. Like, Piquet right now is probably the most veteran out of there, right? So the thing is that all of the other players that we have in the position are youngsters. So Mingueza, Eric Garcia, Araujo. And I haven't, I'm not even counting Lenglet here, for instance. Yeah, yeah. And I think that if, let's say, Barcelona were able to get a Laporte or someone like that. I read today that Barcelona is still looking for ways, are still considering Laporte until, like they have many things to do first, like a to-do list. And if they yeah, still have yeah, yeah. the opportunity by the end, they're going to go 100% try and get Emiric Laporte out of City. And let's say if that, let's say if that happens, one of those two transfers that you mentioned is actually that. I think that then Barcelona out of nowhere just become back again, a really, really solid squad. Um, I, I really, really am excited to see how the new pieces will fit into this system. I'm very eager to see the defense. I hopefully would want to see Piquet play much, much less. I think it's time for Eddie Garcia and Araujo. We just came out of a, of a morning, or for me morning, when Eddie Garcia played an incredible game against Japan in the Olympic Yeah, uh, yeah, I watched it, I watched it, yeah. Very good, wasn't yeah. it? So, so indeed, I think that Barcelona has good pieces to, to try and progress. And like you say, compete for all trophies. I still think the Champions League is a little bit out of sight. Yeah, yeah. But I guess we will never know until it actually happens because at the end of the day, it's just a draw, right? And they're in. If get correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that this year there ain't gonna be any away goals. Like the away goals will be scrapped, or is that that starts from the next one? No, I think that, I think I think that is gonna be this year. No away goals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I read that FIFA 22 was not going to have away goals in the game. So if they are putting that oh, wow. in yeah, a game, yeah. it means probably it's this season. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I really like your twisted take. I'm not <laughs> too sure about, like you said, the Champions League. But yeah. uh, seeing how La Liga is right now, it's really weak. I think it's really up for Barcelona and Atletico Madrid to go out there and try to win it. I want to see more of Real Madrid. I haven't seen much of them that gets me confident for their season. But overall, I just have to say that, yeah, I, I, I do think Barcelona can compete this season if they are able to get the Deadwood out the door. And of course, get Lionel Messi, which is <laughs> the pretty big um, incognito so far. Yeah. All right. Do you want to give us your twisted take? Yeah, my twisted take is very similar. And I think that Manchester United are just one player away from competing for the Premier League title. After, yeah. I don't know how many years, seven years that they haven't been competing, I think that finally they'll be able 
to get the chance to try and finish well first in the Premier League. I, I really like the incorporations that United has made this season. Sancho is fixing a pretty big problem that they had a right wing because they had all previously like strikers, all strikers that never really created for each other. It was kind of selfish their attack. But now Jaden Sancho is a different ilk of player. And I think that he's going to be adding something different that they didn't have before. And he's a creator in the final third. And then I really like, of course, Rafael Varan. I think that's huge. I think that's really, really big. I want to really know your impressions on that one. Because um, you watch more Premier League than me. You're, of course, from there. So so tell me, what do you think about Varan? Because I think he's going to be a pretty big incorporation. But I'm not thinking he's going to be like the Van Dyke for Manchester United. People are... People are getting a little bit too carried away with Varan, I think, here. He's very, very inconsistent. Yeah, I, I think, first of all, you know, United signing Sancho and Varan is a big statement. On top of the fact that, well, you might mention it later, United are probably going to go out and get another player, a midfielder, I think we're hearing. That's probably what you're talking about in terms of if they get a big midfielder over the line, they've got one heck of a team to, to go and win the whole thing. I just don't know if United are going to do it. I think you're right on Varane. I think he is a top centre-back. You know, we can't deny it. What was he? He's won four Champions Leagues with Real Madrid. He's been at the heart of their defence for so many titles. So we can't come out and say, you know, he's not a good defender. But at the same time, Varane is a defender I watch and I think we can get at him. You know, we, we, can, we can hurt Real Madrid in that area. Chelsea did it. Barcelona have done it countless times. I remember Manchester City did it heavily, remembering that second leg in the... Uh, you know, the, the little revamped Champions League in August last year. Oh, and I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like Varane is, is a centre-back who can be very clumsy, very inconsistent with the ball at his feet. And I think in the Premier League, look, I think he'll do well, first of all. I think he'll be a good signing for Man U. It's a big statement signing, but he can be got at. Like, like you say, I don't think he'll be that that massive presence that just completely sorts out everything at the back. But it is no doubt a top signing. And United, are, by the way, are just, again, spending a lot of money and They've built one heck of a team, they really have, but my doubt would probably come with the coach, with Solskjaer. It'd be my doubt in terms of them winning big titles, but I want to hear what you have to say, you know, for the rest of your twist to take. Yeah, I think that those are the three, you you nailed it, like the three incognitos, the three potential problems that United can come around. It depends. Yeah. One on Solskjaer, I'm not confident about him at all, but I still manage that for, I still think that, for instance, he managed United good enough last season to be yeah. able to finish up there. And I think that if they have a similar run or are able to just through the quality of their new signings and their new players be able to get those three points, I think that slowly but surely they'll be getting more and more closer to that Premier League title. I really like also that they managed to keep Cavani. I think that's really, really big. I think Cavani is a proper, proper striker and it's going to be helping a lot of the load up there because right now you take a look at their front line and it's pretty, pretty young. So I think that Cavani could aid that a little bit. Um, but like you said, I think that Varane could be a good incorporation, but it depends a lot also in, for instance, Maguire. I think that Maguire, he ain't going to be Ramos. You you see that Varane needs that other type of centre-back. He needs that um, physical presence next to him to be able to command the back line. And I'm not... I, I mean, Maguire is that sort of player. He is that sort of profile, but of course, he's not of the quality of someone like Ramos. So it's going to be interesting to see whether Varane can sort of accommodate to that which on paper is going to be a step down. Like, let's let's not say anything, but of course it's going to be a step down. And the last thing is, of course, which midfielder are they going to be able to get in? They've been linked to Ibarro um, Camavinga, but I don't think he's a proper, proper, proper CDM like what they need. I'm thinking that mainly they need someone like <laughs> a Declan Rice or a Thomas Suchek, but 
they haven't been linked to any of those sort of players. But if they're able to get one of them, if they're able to get a proper number five, let's say they get Wilfred and Didi, let's say 80 million euros, whatever. Um, I think I think that would actually be a proper squad. I think that would be a, a proper, proper team that is balanced for the first time in a very long time. Yeah, I agree. I think they do need that midfielder. I'm interested to see who they go for, though. Rice is just, you know, Chelsea wanted him. Still do want him, but West Ham insisted on £100 million, and it's just ridiculous. It really is so. I don't think United are going to be getting him either. I think Ndidi's a really good shout, but it could depend on whether on whether Pogba's sold or not. Maybe they'll get someone in on top of Pogba. I would not be surprised if they did that, but we heard that Pogba might be off to PSG, but I don't think that's going to be happening. So, yeah, United looking strong. Completely agree, and look, if, if they play their cards right, they'll definitely be up there. They definitely will. Yeah, but I guess we just have to wait and see because I, I, I do expect Solskjaer to kind of flop some way through the season. He always does. But, um, but well, anyhow, I think we should close this and then move back to the centerpiece. And let's take a look at our predictions because that's what we're going to be doing this 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 podcast. We're going to be taking a look at way too early predictions. Five from me, five from Pablo. Okay, then. So here we are at the centerpiece of the podcast. We're going to be doing five early season predictions each, as Luis just mentioned there. I've got five, Luis has got five, and we've ranked them from least likely to most likely. So in a minute, I'm going to pass over to Luis. He's going to do his fifth, which is going to be his least likely prediction. I'm going to do my fifth. He'll do his fourth. I'll do my fourth, so on and so forth. Then we're going to be building up so, uh, some um, early season predictions, essentially. So let's start. Luis, hit me with your number five. Okay, my number five, don't get the pitchforks just yet, but because <laughs> uh, I want to explain it. I think that Robin Lewandowski will win the Ballon d'Or. But let me explain it. Because I think, and this is actually a, a person that commented on one of my videos that I did about Messi. I think Messi is also going to win it. So what in the world? How can two people win it? I think that potentially France football will like succumb to the pressure. And I think they will be giving two Ballon d'Ors. Like one for last season and one for this one. That's what I think would happen. And even though, let's say, that doesn't happen, I feel there is still a very big chance that Lewandowski win it because most people are going to be... I've heard already a lot of people, a lot of reporters that are like, oh, Lewandowski still deserve the Ballon d'Or. He's emotional. He, he, sh he really should have deserved it last season. And I think that right now in this day and age can carry a really big thing, can carry a really big kind of um, weight and if we actually come to the rankings, I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be really close, actually. Because I think that for many people out there, what Messi didn't achieve, what Messi achieved, which is the Copa America and uh, just a Copa Rey, is kind of looked at undermined for many people outside of Spain, many people outside of Latin America. So, for instance, a lot of people in Europe that I know, friends of mine, for instance, they don't even consider La Copa America to be that, in, that big as something like the Euros. Of course, it's plenty of... Is, is plenty of intense games, but one, the teams are not as high profile as what they are in Europe or the nations. And two, it's a smaller tournament. There is an, it's directly from the quarterfinals. And then the thing is that a Copa Rey is like you saying someone should win just because they won what? The Copa America and the FA, FA Cup. So, yep. so I think that is, of course, going to be a very big mm. um, point for debate right there. And yeah, I, I would like to know your opinion on that one. Yeah, I think... Look, if they do the, the ceremony where they give the 2020 Ballon d'Or to Lewandowski and then they do the 2021 one to Messi, I think that, that would be nice, wouldn't it? That So I agree with you on, on that point. When I saw you 
you were saying Lewandowski will win the Ballon d'Or. I was thinking, ah, oh, because I just don't think he deserves it for 2021. I honestly think in 2021, Lionel Messi's been the best footballer on the planet. I kind of even think it in 2020, to be honest. In terms of who was the best player in 2020, I think Lionel Messi individually was probably the best. But, you know, you're right. What, Lewandowski won, what was it, six trophies? So there's no way they're not going to give it to him. And he was amazing for Bayern Munich. Really was. They were an absolute machine, by the way. Um, that 8-2 game was just, yeah, I haven't ever seen anything like it. So that's the way I see Lewandowski winning the Ballon d'Or. But in terms of 2021, I think Messi deserves it. Yeah, I, of course, agree with you on that one as well. But the thing is that, um, like I say again, I think that Lewandowski, for instance, right now, who do you think is going to finish second? Why don't we put it that way? Oh, I think it could be Lewandowski. Honestly, yeah. Because, for instance, it I, could think, be, yeah. I put yeah. third, Jorginho, but it's like, <laughs> he's not even that pivotal. Like, he, he just he just happened to won the two trophies, like Varane did uh, when he won the World Cup and the Champions League. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, So I'm not too sure. Who would you put in second? I, that, this, this is this is why like Messi is a guaranteed win for me because I'm struggling to find someone for second place. I feel like all year round it was like, oh, if France go far, then Mbappe and Kante will be up there. If Lewandowski does well with Bayern, then Lewandowski will be up there. You know, if England do well, then Kane will be up there. So they were kind of trying to trying to fill players in. I think Lewandowski is a good bet. I do. Yeah, I do think. Um, so well. Why don't you give me your number five? Let's see, let's see, let's see. Yeah, I've had to I've had to order these then in terms of least likely to most likely. So my first one is is this. It's that Manchester City will once again reach the Champions League final this season. I think that I think they can do wow. it again. Yeah, I think I think they can do it again. I don't know if they're gonna win it again. You know, if they lost two in a row, that would be really heartbreaking, wouldn't it? But I think City can do that can do can get there. I really do. I think obviously, you know, Pep Guardiola we know all about him, what a manager, but if you look at some of the players Man City are looking to bring in, which maybe we'll talk about in another episode, but Grealish looks close. Kane has refused to turn up to Tottenham training, so that could be close if City decide to chalk out, you know, 140-odd million for him. If they get these signings on top of the team they've already got, I can just see them every single Champions League game, I'll think they're favourites. You know, how are they not going to win it? So I thought in my head, you know, uh, two Champions League finals in a row, that that's unrealistic, but then... I, I nailed it down and, and I thought, yeah, you know what? That could definitely happen. With this Man City team, why not? Yeah, it's not it's not that like weird yeah. to see now teams going back to back in the Champions League final. Like for mm-hmm. instance, um I Liverpool, right? They got yep. they, they lost to Real Madrid and then they won again against Tottenham in the next following season. Yeah. So of course I could see Manchester City getting there. I think that right now City are in a in a point where they're doing silent business because not too many people are talking about them if you actually see they haven't made any signings so far so they're actually kind of doing i think something very smart something similar to what liverpool did and i think they're going to strengthen with those key players and i think like you say that's going to be it's going to be making them favorites in every single tie that they face in the champions league i think that even if you get just Grealish, for instance i think that's going to be good i really like the way that pep Guardiola managed to adapt this new team and make them play without a number nine so I even think that someone like, for instance, Foden will be getting way more game time this season. He's just going to be an undisputed starter from the get-go. And with players like Sterling having a great Euros, maybe coming back into the side, you could see Foden, Sterling, and Jack Grealish, and that would be freaking insane. And you still have players like Bernardo Silva, Ferran Torres, and Mares, which is just going to be getting better. So, of course, yeah, I, I think... I think it makes sense for you to put it here at the, at the number five position because as we know UCL can happen absolutely anything. But I already think that Manchester City have turned that corner, that corner that PSG did uh, two seasons ago uh, or one season ago. Yeah. 
So, of course, yeah, I, I do see City going far in this UCL, but I'm not too sure whether they're just going to win it or not. Of course, I want mm. my team to win it, but <laughs> that's never going to happen. <laughs> well, you never know, you never know. All right, let, let's, let's hear your number four then. Okay, my number four is going to be that Bayern Munich won't win the Bundesliga this season. So, oh, yeah. I want to wow. know your reaction to this one. I want to know. Wow! Your to Explain one. yourself. The the thing is that like if you take a look at Bayern Munich and the merry-go-round of managers that happen in the Bundesliga, I do yeah. think that there's a. I just said this out here because I think there's a pretty big chance that it will take Nagelsmann a little bit to instruct his uh, kind of philosophy into that team because I don't think he's going to be having the keys to the entire. Uh, kind of office, if you know what I mean, because before in in Leipzig he he had that he had that ability to change whatever he wanted, but in Manchester in Bayern Munich you cannot have a proper structure that you need to deal with and proper people that are in front of you, um, and I and I think that could potentially harm a little bit Nagelsmann's adaptation. I was I'm surprised that Nagelsmann isn't playing with a back three like in preseason he hasn't done that yet. I'm surprised with that because if I take a look at that team for instance, Alfonso Davies as a left wing back. That should be like a proper, a proper like doomsday button. I think that would work incredibly well. And then you have, uh, you have um, Lucas Hernandez. You can add people like Derek Pavar, who could also play as a right center back in the back three. And I think you just have a perfect kind of solution. And of course, with Upamecano coming back and a player that Nagelsmann knows very well, I I would think that is something he he would try out. But he hasn't still done that. But then on the other hand. We see teams like RB Leipzig strengthening very well. I really like their incorporation of Andre Silva. We talked on that on the last episode of the Engine Room. And then I also like how Dortmund are going to be strengthening with Daniel Malen. And I think that the incorporations of their managers are also very good ones. And I think that, for instance, they can challenge Nagelsmann for that. Because I don't see Nagelsmann with the sort of... Uh, he has never been here in a position before. And people like Jesse March, the American manager, is going to be coming into Leipzig. And he's going to be having that ability to just, like I said... In contrast, Nagelsmann be able to change what he wants. And then Marco Ross at Dortmund, the very same thing. And if Dortmund managed to keep Haaland still until the end of the tra- summer transfer window, they can start a new year with a pretty, pretty still great squad. And I just feel that there are chances. The, the chances, the probability of Bayern Munich winning it are certainly going to be way lower than what were last season. That's interesting. That's interesting. When I first heard it, I was thinking like, "Oh, what, what on earth are you want about?" I want to. I want st- to start by saying I still think Bayern will win the Bundesliga, but I, I like. I liked your point, so I really did. I do think it's a good point you made about Nagelsmann. Maybe a bit like when, not quite because Nagelsmann. I don't want to compare him to Pirlo, but you know when Pirlo went to Juventus and everyone thought, "Oh yeah, it doesn't matter. Maybe they'll they'll adapt a little bit, but they'll still win the Serie A." And they've scraped fourth on on the last match day, so. That, 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 that's why I, I see your point with Nagelsmann. He's going to come into Bayern, you know, already. Maybe he's not going to be able to use his back three. Maybe they're saying, hey, no, stick with 4-3-3 or stick with 4-2-3-1. Don't do anything anything stupid here. Maybe he won't be able to to run the run the club and run the squad how he wants. So that could be interesting. Of course, also, you know, like you said, he's never been at a big club like that before. Erling Haaland could be staying at Borussia Dortmund. That's going to make them, you know, considerably stronger, of course, you know, if, as opposed to if he was to go. But at the same time, Dortmund have also lost Jadon Sancho. So bottom line is, you know, I, I do like your points, but I do think Bayern are still going to win the Bundesliga. But I think you could have you could have a good case there. I think maybe they'll struggle more this year. They're, some of their big players are aging too, and Nagelsmann is going to have some issues. And he's got to, you know, quickly find a way to, to embed himself into the Bayern Munich culture. 
Yeah, if you take a look at like for instance at the squad, there's no longer uh, Boateng, Alaba, they have already been gone. And it's kind of like they're going to be relying on new players. And I think that is a perfect moment for a new, for another team to kind of strike because that period of adaptation is going to make them weaker. So Pamecano needs to adapt. Uh, Lucas Hernandez, he has never enjoyed like a proper run in, in a season and barring still. Alfonso Davis hasn't been playing that good last season. And then you take a look at, for instance, right back there trying to bring somebody in. You take a look at the midfield. You have Kimmich, you have Goretzka. But then after that, what else? Tolisso has never really lived up to the name. So it's like... As you start looking at the positions, I think this is going to be a pretty different squad, a pretty different team that we're going to be seeing. And how I want to put it this way. I think there's less chances it, or it's more difficult for Nagelsmann to get it right at Bayern Munich his first season than I think it's going to be for Jesse March and Marco Rosse to do it at Leipzig and Dortmund respectively. That's what I mean. I think they have less opposition fighting against them and I think it's going to be easier for them to adapt. And that could just help these, these two teams to kind of mount a proper challenge and not just fall down like around the 20th match day because that's always what happens, right? I think we may see a proper title race this season and that's kind of where I'm going this uh, with this point. Interesting, interesting. All right, I'll move on to my number four. It's also along a similar path in terms of I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be talking about a German. I'm going to be talking about Kai Havertz. And I'm going to say that I think Kai Havertz could be one of the best players in Europe this season. Uh, talking about Kai Havertz, when he first came to Chelsea, he was the star boy of Leverkusen, of all, almost of German football, actually. Big money, £70 million or whatnot, probably €100 million Euros with, with bonuses and whatnot. And I think, you know, the, the look at the first six months, certainly under Lampard, he was very, very underwhelming, very underwhelming, did not adapt to England, couldn't ever really get it started. When Thomas Tuchel came in, I feel like he started to slowly improve. But it's probably after, I would say, maybe April onwards that I saw, yeah, that's the Havertz we bought. This is why we bought Kai Havertz. He started to beef up a little bit, became very comfortable on the ball, started to score important goals. Well, I think we can't forget the, the amazing performance against Real Madrid in the second leg of the Champions League. And of course, the big one for me that could be, and I think is going to be career-changing for Kai Havertz, is the Champions League final goal. It's just huge. Scoring a goal in the Champions League final like that is is absolutely massive. And I think you could see that over the summer with Germany. I think usually Havertz is one of those players for Germany who, you know, he's bright, he's exciting, but he's not that concrete in the team. He's not going to produce for them. Well, this Euros, he produced for them, to be fair. I think he was probably their best player when they got knocked out against England. He scored goals in the group stages. He was very good against Portugal. And I think already we're seeing with Havertz... He's a player who's starting to establish himself. And I really, really like when I watch a player who looks so raw at the beginning. And then when you watch them, you know, adapt over time and, and establish themselves, it's so satisfying. And I, and I think we're seeing it with Havertz. Uh, he came back to preseason the other day with Chelsea. Scored a great goal at the Emirates within about 30 minutes. Quality, quality player. And I'm just so excited to, uh, to see how he does next season for Chelsea. Yeah, and I really think that the, the key to unlocking Havertz was the was the signature, the appointment of Thomas Tuchel. Like, I think that without him, he potentially wouldn't have gotten to where he is now. I think it was a really big career change. And just the fact that they got a manager to understand exactly how to use Kai Havertz and vice versa, kind of like Timo Werner as well, a little bit. Um, I do think that's like helping him a lot. And I really like how he's playing right now as a false nine. And I do not see the links um, of Chelsea to a striker, if I'm being honest. Like really? they want to get Lukaku, they want to get Erling Haaland. I yeah. I really like Chelsea with that front three of Mason Mount, Timo Werner, and and Kai Havertz. I yeah. like Kai Havertz playing centrally. I really really do. I think that's yeah. where 
you find him to be the best as a false nine. Maybe you could try Lukaku play yeah. where Timo Werner is yeah. and sell Werner or something like that because Lukaku has played there before in Belgium, for instance. These Euros, he was playing sort of a, as a left forward, left winger kind of deal. And I think that could work as well. But if I'm being honest, I really like Kai Havertz for the middle. And I don't know where would you put him. Where would you slot Kai Havertz if they had a striker? Where would you put him? Just as a left winger? Uh, or what? I, I think what I do is, you know, when we have kind of like the inverted front three, I think I'd have Lukaku up front, Mason Mount just off to the left. And I think I'd have Kavert, uh, Kai Havertz just off to the right. Mm, yeah. And then what happens with Timo Werner? Do you just sell well, him? Or you not, he's not going to be sold, but... I mean, if, if he doesn't score, if he doesn't produce, then he's, he's not going to be playing at, at the end of the day. I think that's why Chelsea want a big striker, that they need goals, we need goals. Yeah, I, I get that. But it's like, I don't know why I find it so hard to get rid of Werner. I do think he's a good player. And I think he's a very good systematic player that is helping Chelsea quite a lot, actually. But people don't see it because he just... he Like, every time he goes into the field, he's running, he's pressuring, he's trying to track back. And I like that. But um, by the end of the day, it's not my club. So <laughs> I guess that if you're going to get Lukaku, I would still prefer Lukaku over Werner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, exactly. I agree. I agree that Werner is a really, really good system player, though. Like, it, it's actually statistically proven. Uh, our, our win percentage last season without Werner was absolutely shocking. And with Werner, it was very, very high. So that says it all. Let's move on to your number three, then. I'm, I'm interested to hear what you've got next. Okay, so my number three, I think it's actually... I'm going to be very interested to hear what you have to say about this one. I think it's, I honestly think it's safe. And I'm saying that Mourinho will bring Champions League football back to Rome. Well, go on, explain yourself. Look, I think that Mourinho finally is, finally, and I, and I also said this when he moved to Tottenham. <laughs> but he's finally moving to a club that is of his stature, you know what I mean? He's finally moving to a club where he's going to be getting what I mentioned that Nagelman will potentially lack at Bayern Munich. And he's the keys to the office, key to the club. And I think he's going to be able to get the signatures that he wants. He's going to be able to get, uh, he's going to be able to instate the system that he wants. I don't think Roma are going to be complaining. I don't think um, no one really will complain about that. And I really want to highlight the way that the fans have kind of embraced Mourinho in a way. And I think Mourinho would just feel himself at home at Roma. And that will potentially make them solid. And I think that's what they need. They need to be a solid core to try and be grinding out those results and potentially get back to Champions League football. You take a look at Juventus, new manager. Inter, new manager. Uh, Fiorentina, new manager. Lazio, new manager. They all have new managers. And it's kind of like restarting from zero. We're going to see a new Serie A, I think, next season. Nothing like we've seen before. So I think that if Mourinho gets the very first few games right, the first half of the season right, they may find themselves in a race for top four. It's a really interesting prediction. I like it. I do. I think almost similar to your buy-in point. When I first hear it, I think, ah, not really. And then when you explain yourself, I see where you're coming from. I agree that I think there could be that, that gap there for Roma to go into. I also agree with the fact that Mourinho is going to have free reign at Roma. What he says goes. No more of, you know, hierarchies and stuff. He's going to rock up to Roma, a club that well, they finished in a conference league spot last season, didn't they? They're going to be in the conference league this season. Another good trophy for Mourinho to try and win against his former club Spurs, actually. That will be an interesting little story, wouldn't it? But I think Mourinho's got a, you know, almost a clean slate, like you said. He can go into Roma and say, this is how we're doing it. He's got the fans behind him. Roma fans were excited again to have a big name like Mourinho at the club. I'm excited to see how he does. I really am. I, I hope he does well. But I also think he's got a hard job to get into Champions League. I really do. You look at, I don't know, Juventus, I think, will be there. 
Inter Milan, I agree. They're going to be weakened. One of Lukaku or Lautaro will probably leave on top of the fact that Hakimi's left. Conte has left as the coach. They're getting weaker. Lazio, you know, same. I think they've changed coach as well, haven't they? Have they got Sarri in now, actually? Because Inzaghi left them to go to Inter. So, yeah, like you yeah, say, they're, 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 yeah, they're, there's like that merry-go-round with managers, isn't there? So there is a chance for Inter. But, sorry, not for Inter. For, uh, there is a chance for Roma and Mourinho. But I still feel as if there are so many other good Italian clubs who are probably going to be favourites to get those four Champions League spots ahead of Roma. But let's see what they do. Like you said, good start to the season and, and you never know. Yeah, and also I want to mention Atalanta. Atalanta, I think they look very, very weaker. They look they look way weaker, I think, in my opinion. Letting go of Romero to Tottenham and they're getting potentially Demiral in loan. I think he's a, he's a good centre-back, but he has injuries issues. And then uh, they, are, they still think they're weaker up top. I don't see Zapata. Zapata didn't fire at all single. He was really, really bad in the Copa America. And I don't know how he's going to be turning up in a new season in Syria, but they look also significantly weaker. So, like I said, I think Roma, and especially the way that Mourinho plays, I think that would help him a lot. Yeah, interesting. All right, I'm going to move on to my number three swiftly then. And I'm actually going to be heading back to Chelsea. I spoke about Chelsea a bit with Kai Havertz, didn't I? But I want to focus more on Chelsea now because I think Chelsea have got a really interesting season ahead of them. Um, the Champions of Europe, of course. And I think under, under Tuchel last season, Chelsea were absolutely outstanding after he came in. And I've always said it. I know you, you mentioned it here, actually, so this is going to make it interesting. I've always said Chelsea need to buy an elite goal scorer this summer. I agree with you that I like, you know, the Werner and Mount working around Havertz down the middle. I really like the idea of that. But I think the actual principle of it, over a 60-game season, Chelsea needs someone to put the ball in the back of the net, 20 goals. Now, we're hearing Chelsea looks set to go in and really push for Romelu Lukaku. There were Haaland rumours all summer. I said about six months ago, you know, I don't care. Whichever one of those two elite goal scorers, bring them to Chelsea, please. Haaland was rumoured all summer. Looks like that isn't going to happen. 175 million plus the commissions to Raiola and Haaland's father. Probably just too much for Chelsea. About 100 million we're hearing for Lukaku plus Marcos Alonso maybe. If Chelsea get one of those strikers in, I think Chelsea are set up to have another really top season. Top coach, top team, really, really efficient system. If they get that striker in, I think Chelsea is set up for more silverware. I really do. I'm not sure, you know, quite which trophies. There are a lot on the line for Chelsea this season with the Super Cup and the Club World Cup on top of the, the four trophies that Chelsea would already have to, you know, be available to them. So big season coming up for Chelsea. And I think if they get their man up front, they're in for a big season. But I want to hear what you think about this one. Yeah, so your prediction is that they're going to sign, what, a striker? They're going to sign Lukaku or whatnot? My, my, my prediction is that I've always said... If Chelsea get that main man up front, yeah. If Chelsea really, you know, get that more elite striker, silverware. more silverware. Yeah. Big season for Chelsea, you know, competing in Champions League, being one of the top clubs in Europe, maybe even the Premier League again. So that's that's my that's my take really on this one. What do you think? Um, I do think that that extra extra striker would certainly take Chelsea up in quality. I'm gonna be eager to hear more about what you have to say about your defense because I think the back three, it's working wonders, but. Do you think Thiago Silva is going to be still as good as he was last season? Or that's where you're going to be getting like Jules Kunde or somebody else? Because I think you don't have problems scoring. I'm, and neither you had problems defending last season. But it's harder, I think, to maintain that defense as solid as it was potentially this season because it relied heavily on that on that player. So I don't know. What do you think? What What is your best back three? In my opinion, it would be Rudiger, maybe Christensen? And... I don't know. I, that's that's. I, I'm really dubious. I mean, a kind of gray spot right now with your with your defense. 
Yeah, well, well, look, I think in the back three, and by the way, loads of rumours that Chelsea could be switching to a back four. I hope we stick with the back three. We have so far in pre-season, so I'm hoping we stick with it. I think it was unbelievably perfect for Chelsea last season. I think, look, Chelsea got five defenders to pick from in the back three, so this is where you can pick your three. Rudiger, Thiago Silva, Aspilicueta, and then Christensen, and probably Jules Koundé. So there's quality there. There really is quality. The the back three, everyone's saying on Twitter, is Rudiger left centre-back. Jules Koundé right centre-back and Thiago Silva central centre-back. But I think already people are ruling out Aspilicueta way too early again. I think he'll be playing a lot of games at right centre-back. If not, then right wing-back in more of a defensive shape. And I think also Andreas Christensen can play probably anywhere across that back three, actually. He could be the sub for Rudiger at left centre-back too. With Thiago Silva ageing, Thiago Silva will be 37 next this season, by the way. So watch out for that. Christensen will also be getting a lot of minutes. Yeah, definitely. And then... Your midfield, you still rely a lot on on Jorginho and Kante. That's a place, I think, where, honestly, I would be improving if I were Chelsea, in my opinion, more than the striker position. But I still, I don't know. Like, you have Kovacic, Jorginho, Kante. And then that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We need one more. Obviously, like I said, the rumours have been Declan Rice, but it's too much money. Have you heard of, of Chouameni from Monaco? Yeah, Chouameni, yeah. Yeah, he's he's the next one linked. So watch out for Chouameni from Monaco in, in midfield for Chelsea. Could be, could happen. But yeah, overall, I think that, like you say, I think Chelsea are in a good position right now because I don't think that in contrast, for instance, to Liverpool, I think that Liverpool committed the big mistake of not strengthening after they won the UCL. Yeah. I think they had a good, they had the team to keep on fighting for the next season when they won the Premier League before or during COVID. But I think that they lacked something there. I think that their incorporations of Thiago, of Diogo Jota were a little bit too late, were done a season like uh, a season too far gone. And I think that really Chelsea are kind of hoping to strengthen when the time is right. Because right now they won the UCL. And I think that if they get the right signatures through the door, they're going to be able to compete even better, not only for the Premier League like Liverpool did that season, but mainly for all trophies. And I think that's the difference. I think that whenever you win this Champions League, you need to take that as an opportunity to cement yourself as a proper, as a proper stable club. Because in the Premier League, for instance, apart from Manchester City, not a single team out of Chelsea, Liverpool, Man United, Spurs, Arsenal, all of them, they haven't been able to really maintain some sort of consistency all around. And I think that that should be key. I think that's, for instance, one of the reasons why I pride Guardiola so much on him going to City. And I think people get it wrong. People say, oh, he just went there. He was appointed to go to City to win the Champions League. Well, in part, yes. But I also think he was appointed there because he was able to create a solid, stable kind of team and club around Barcelona when he was there. And I think that that is what he was brought into that City. And now City, you cannot take them out. City are always going to finish for the next three seasons in the top two positions or top three. That's how it works. And they're always going to be competing. So... I think this is a chance for Chelsea to do that. And certainly one of the strikers, Haaland, Lukaku, whoever you bring in, will help in a, in a very big matter. So, of course, I think that, yeah, I think that if they get it as well, like you, Chelsea could be competing and become one of the best teams in the world right now, even, even if they aren't already. I think they are. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I'll just, just quickly, to wrap up this point, I think I'm, you're spot on in terms of winning the Champions League and then investing. What was it? Liverpool won the Champions League and they only signed Adrian as a sub-goalkeeper. And this is what all the Chelsea fans on social media have been actually getting really, really frustrated about. Everyone's been demanding Marina Granovskaya and, and Roman Abramovich to, to go out and spend big. Everyone's been saying, go and get Haaland, go and get Kunde, go and get Rice or Chouameni or Lukaku. Or It looks like Chelsea are going to do that. Thankfully, Chelsea are going to be strengthening. But you're so spot on in saying 
that that's that's why that's why Liverpool not Liverpool that's why Man City did so well and are doing so well. They constantly spend a lot of money to to bring in other players, um, and that's obviously where where Liverpool faltered. Let's move on to your number two then. Let's move on to your number two, unless you have anything to add on on that point. No, no, no. Quickly, I'm gonna say similar. It's kind of the polar opposite. I think that Real Madrid will have another trophy less season. <laughs> wow. Why? Because they're not strengthening at all. <laughs> Yeah. I just see, yeah. I think that the departures of Varane and Ramos are going to hurt so much. They're going to be starting with a pair of a defense of Mendy, Alaba, Diego Militao, and then what, Carvajal? So, of course, it's a very different, it's not necessarily worse, but it's different. It's different. It's a different backline. It's new incorporations there. And I also think that it's one year, one year kind of older for Cross. For Modric, for Casemiro, yep. mm -hmm. they still manage to produce, but it's like, when are you going to be rejuvenating that side? I think that up top, they're lacking as well. I I feel that their front line would now be what? Hazard and Benzema? I think that's going to be it. Vinicius is still there. Rodrigo is still there. Odegaard could play as a right winger, but I'm really not too sure. We know that Ancelotti likes to play 4-2-3-1, so if that happens, who's going to be the number 10? Who's going to be the wingers? Is Benzema going to be really excelling as a lone striker? Or he does need those wingers to kind of help him around? Around, I think there are many questions to be asked of Ramari right now. And I don't think they're going to be capable enough to compete in all of the different phases. All of the different competitions. Especially when it comes to the Champions League. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think it's good that you brought up Real Madrid actually. Maybe I should have included it in one of my predictions, because Real Madrid going into next season is really interesting one, isn't it? Um, obviously, they're letting go of a lot of players, and again, it doesn't look like they're really signing anyone. Like you said, they brought in David Alaba. I think in terms of going trophyless, it could definitely happen. Whether it's going to happen is, is hard to say. I think Supercopa, they obviously got a good shot at being semi-finals onwards. You know, it's barely a trophy, I'm aware, but they wouldn't count it as a trophyless season if they were to win it. Copa del Rey, they always, always seem to struggle in. If you've been following Spanish football, guys, in the last like, decade, Real Madrid just seem to always get knocked out in the Copa del Rey. Champions League, I don't think they're going to be there uh, this season. I really don't. Uh, I just don't think they've got the team or the capabilities to, to put on a Champions League run. You know, and that we, we saw that last season. I think they're probably even weaker this season. And then La Liga. I think La Liga is really, really interesting this season. I, I really do. Atletico, they claim a favourites, but Barcelona and Real Madrid, you know, I'll say it in a minute. I, I think I think it could be going back to, to either one of those, to be honest. So, Ancelotti has got a really hard season ahead, in my opinion. And I think you're right to bring it up in terms of saying Real Madrid are in trouble. The only signing they're ever linked to is Mbappe. Shall we speak a bit about that? You know, it's always Mbappe, isn't it, with Real Madrid? And this is a thing with them. Right now, it's not looking good. But for me, the light is at the end of the tunnel for Real Madrid. Kylian Mbappe is going to be a Real Madrid player either this summer or next summer. And the fact that it doesn't look like Chelsea are going to be getting Erling Haaland this summer, that opens up for Real Madrid. 75 million euros next summer. So Real Madrid right now, I agree with your take completely, in a bit of trouble for next season. But the light at the end of the tunnel was there for them. It really is. If they get both Haaland and Mbappe, the chances are they're definitely going to get one of them. They're going to be back. Yeah, I agree. And now that you say it, I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> That is that is that is like career mode. That is know, that is football manager in a nutshell. Yeah. I'm scared, honestly. That shouldn't happen. Like it's impossible. How how can they be able to get that? And the thing is that they will because Mbappe he doesn't renew. He's gonna go on a free, right? Exactly, exactly. 
on a free and then just 75 million euros for Haaland. It's like it's 75 nothing. million euros for Mbappe and Haaland. Wow. It's nothing. It's nothing. It's a massive coup, honestly. Um, but let's hope that this season is bad enough so that Mbappe <laughs> and Haaland don't feel attracted to Real Madrid. Yeah. <laughs> let's yeah. hope. Let's hope. Well, let's hope. Let's hope. Honestly, that's what I was thinking. Just touching on that because I was thinking, hang on, look at PSG. They're signing everyone. PSG are building a super team. Real Madrid are selling all their players and going to be using Vallejo at centre-back next season. Why are you going there and leaving PSG of all times, Mbappe? But Real Madrid, their name, it still seems like it carries them through. I think if Hannon stays, they'll be at the front of the queue for him next summer in terms of where he'll want to go. Mbappe, we know, wants to go. So there you go. Yeah. So now what's your number two? All right, my number two is actually staying in La Liga. Staying along actually a really, really similar course. I've gone for this. I've gone care, for care, the fact care. that I think La Liga is going to be back, going back to either Barcelona or Real Madrid. Atletico won it last season. Atletico probably right now have the strongest of the three teams in a way, I kind of feel. I feel like everyone is agreeing on that right now almost. But something inside of me tells me that either Barcelona or Real Madrid are going to be winning La Liga next season. What do you think? Hmm... I do agree that Atletico Madrid do are the biggest are the has the better squad right now. I do think that's that's I think that's fair to say. Um and I actually do wanna do I'm just you know what? I'm just gonna use my first my first and final point with this. And I wanted to talk about Ronald Kuman in my first point. So my first point was that Ronald Kuman will earn an extension at Barcelona. And why do I say this? Because I think that actually he has finally got in the squad that he wanted or in, a, in a, some way he's missing just one player and that's a physical x-factor sort of midfielder but in a, even if i don't know moriba doesn't renew or or we don't get that midfielder i feel that he will finally be able to to actually get the team playing like he wants to because there's been very good runs of play of barcelona last year and something that i haven't seen for the longest of time under kike setien valverde it's kind of almost four years since i've seen barcelona play that good in some matches of course he has to improve in the bigger ones against Real madrid Against um, against teams like PSG in the Champions League, for instance. But uh, overall, I do think that Barcelona do have the sort of garra, that sort of piling kind of instinct that they were lacking before, that competitiveness. And I feel that one more year with Corona Kuma will actually help us a lot. And I do like the signing of Memphis Depay. I cannot say it, I cannot stress it enough. I do think that Memphis Depay is going to be a revelation because he's, he's like Kuman wanted him. He knows how to utilize him. He just wants that player for one reason. And I think it's going to work out. I really do think it's going to work out. And I think that that could potentially earn him an extension. I think that Laporta will potentially see the situation of the club. There's no more money to bring anyone in. There are no potential candidates. I think Kuman, if he does well, he's going to be staying. And, and I think he will do well. Like, I, I do think he has done the right thing so far. And I do like his managerial style. And I think that that could lead Barcelona to, for instance, a La Liga victory, a Liga title. And if that happens, then, of course, it's also, well, pretty much agreeing with your point that it's going to be coming back with Barcelona or Real Madrid. And if you have to make me pick one of Barcelona and Real Madrid, I'm going to mm -hmm. be picking Barcelona every yeah. day of the week. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I think I, I mentioned it earlier, didn't I, when my twist to take about Barcelona's squad. I think it's competitive. I really do. If we get it right, the issue is, are we going to get it right? You know, it's, it's a big if, isn't it? But if we do get it right, I think it's a strong squad. I really do. And I'm hoping second season manager, sometimes it works. Remember when after the 17-18 season, Valverde, it kind of ended really sourly because of Roma and because of the fact that we didn't go and beat him in the league and we lost 5-4 to Levante and everyone's thinking, ah, oh, we're fed up with this 4-4-2 and this nonsense and remember the 18-19 season 
We were inches away from winning the treble. We just we improved that season. The team just clicked. It had that stability from the manager, the manager remaining. I think we could be seeing fingers crossed something similar to that with Kuman. Maybe not you know going for the treble, but in terms of the fact that we improve, we get that stability. We fight for La Liga. We hopefully wrap up La Liga. I'm hoping that sort of thing happens with Kuman in Barcelona next season. Which squad do you think it's? Let's do, let's do it quickly. Which squad do you think it's better? That one or, or the one that we currently have? So Trasein is the same. The right back, I think, the right back was Sergio Roberto. Yeah. Or Nelson Samedo. But yeah, yeah. I think that, I think that potentially those one are better than Des and Emerson right now. But I think that there's more ceiling in Emerson and Des right now. I think that Emerson can have potentially a better season or Des can have a better season than what Roberto and Nelson Samedo put out. Then our backline was Lenglet and Piqué. And now could be Araujo and Piqué or Araujo and Eri Garcia. I don't know. What do you think is better there? Yeah, the it's hard. But the, the names, I think this season's better. But 18-19, Piqué and Lenglet were so solid. So solid. Mm. Yeah, you have Jordi Alba at the, at the left-back position. They're pretty same. Arturo Vidal. Uh, you had Busquets, Rakitic and Frankie de Jong. Yeah, right? What, in uh, 1890, we had like Artur in there or Coutinho? Artur, Artur, yeah, yeah. And then at top it was Suarez Messi. Yeah. Right now yeah. it's what? Griezmann, Memphis, and Messi. Yeah, yeah. I, I think this one is weaker per se, but it's different. It's different. It's, I just think it's different. I think we cannot really do that comparison right now. But like I say, I like Memphis Depay. I don't know why. I love him. I think it's going to be a good signing. I think, I agree. I think Memphis is a big signing, big signing for Barcelona. It's just because he went for free there. It's kind of like low-key. I'm happy to keep it that way as long as he does well for us. You know, no one else know about it. We'll just win games with him. But I think in terms of the, the comparison of the two squads, that 18-19 season, that squad was way more like experienced. You've got like Vidal, Rakitic, Suarez, Piquet. But I feel like this squad this season is very fresh and hopefully fit for Barcelona. I think that's key for winning the Champions League. You've got to be fit. You've got to be prepared to to run after the ball and, and press high. We've seen that a lot in preseason, by the way, so far. Really, really high press from Barcelona. So let, let's see if that carries on into the new season. Shall I end then? Like wrap it up with, with my number one? Yeah, go ahead. It's not going to be the longest one, but I thought in terms of most likely thing, I've kind of, I think you actually disagreed with me on this in a, in a previous podcast, but I think Juventus are going to be able to win the Serie A again this season. I think the fact they've got Max Allegri back in charge, Bonucci and Chiellini at the back, De Ligt is going to be back there as well, depending on formation, of course, with how many of those play. Look, I think they're going to win it again. I really do. I think that the other squads in Serie A have massively weakened. It's sad for Inter because they could have built a dynasty here, but if they're losing Hakimi... Lukaku and Conte, I think I think Juventus is going to win the Serie A. What do you think? Yeah, it's sad though. It's out for Inter. It's really really sad because they had an opportunity, like you say, to actually become a commanding presence in Italian football, and they just wasted it completely. And that is so sad, honestly. Um, I do think that Allegri has to do some sort of really big changes in the, what's rest in what's left of the transfer window. I do think that their squad is aging quite a lot. Bonucci is still a free agent. They have to get him back into the side. I think that no, no, actually, a new midfield coming in will also change quite a lot. They want Pjanic again. And I think that may be a mistake for Allegri. Uh, I still think that it's still going to be good enough to win the Serie A. But in the long run, in the Champions League, all of that, I think that Juventus are going to struggle because they're going to be relying too much on the old card. And when they actually do need some sort of rejuvenation. 
And I think that's going to cost them. Yeah. What's exciting for Juventus, though, is they've got, what, Delict at the back. They've got McKenney in there as well. Someone we have to mention, Chiesa. What a player, honestly. You know, what, what a pickup that was. And another player Juventus are trying to sign now in August is Manuel Locatelli. So you talked about the need for maybe a young midfielder instead of Pjanic. Then watch out for Locatelli. Yeah, I mean, but of course, you need to actually get them through the door. If they manage to do that, very similar to what Barcelona kind of get rid of the dead wood and then bringing these new young players in, of course, I do see Juventus lifting the Syria trophy again because I think that Inter are going to struggle a lot and they're the biggest challenges that they have because then after that, Milan, I don't know, man. I don't think Milan will be able to repeat the same season. I think, was, I think honestly, Milan's season was more of a fluke. <laughs> I really do think that. I, not, not a fluke, but... They've improved under Pioli, but when we really take a look at what they'll be able to do, I don't think their squad is good enough to be able to leave the Serie Trophy. I knew that they one time they they were gonna they were gonna kind of decrease in performances by the second half of the season, and they did. And I expect that somehow this season as well, and especially adding to Champions League football as well. I think they're gonna be able to finish in the top four, but I don't think they're yet ready to compete for the Serie Trophy. Yeah, title. agreed, agreed. They have got Giroud though. Watch out for Giroud. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that is where we are going to wrap up this episode of the Engine Room podcast. I hope all of you guys listening did enjoy. Thank you so much if you are still listening to the end too. Luis, anything to say to end this episode? Uh, not really, guys. Just thank you very much. Gracias for listening just to another episode of the Engine Room. And let us know on Twitter. Contact us about what you would like to see. Of course, the preseason is finishing now. The leaks are going to be starting in the next few weeks. So, of course, we're going to be getting you more content when that starts. And, yeah, I'm going to be very excited to see how we do once football is back again. I, I think the engine room is going to really take off by then. 